Mohsen asks, I have chocolates and ice cream sweetened with stevia or monk fruit. Is stevia low GI and will it cause dumping or should it be avoided at all cost? Stay right where you are. Today, we'll answer the questions on your mind. How many bariatric vitamins do you take a day? Are they a pain to remember? ProCare Health offers easy and affordable solutions with once daily multivitamins. Visit ProCareNow.com for free samples. Use code SUSAN10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 61. Most of my career, I've worked in some type of media, particularly radio, where I did morning drive nutrition spots for over 18 years. I loved every moment of it. That's what led me to start podcasting and ultimately to you. I created Bariatric Surgery Success to provide you with life-changing information, always based on science, along with simple strategies and tools to help you be successful in your transformation and your entire journey. So happy you've connected with me. You're in the right place, and I'm glad you're listening. Before I jump in with Isabel, let me remind you that if you're looking for the latest freebie, supplements, portion control, dinnerware, the newsletter, or other resources, just check out my resource page, breakingdownnutrition.com resources. This week, joining me via Skype is bariatric dietitian Isabel Maples. If you're in the private Facebook group, you may have seen her comments as she shares her expertise. Isabel's a registered dietitian. She's the bariatric coordinator with Fakir Health in Warrington, Virginia. She helps patients navigate the weight loss surgery process to maximize success. Her focus is to help you relearn cues for hunger and satiety, tame those trigger foods, and discover the joy of movement. You can find Isabel's contact information in the show notes. Welcome, Isabel. I'm glad you're back today. Hi, thanks so much. Glad to be here. Well, we always have a lot of questions when people know that you're coming on. So let's just start with the first one. And it is, I started running using the Couch Potato to 5K program. I'm on week two, and I find that the last few times I've finished my run, I am exhausted. I've been sleeping well. I drink plenty of fluids. I have a protein drink before I go, and then I eat lunch about an hour after I get home. I drink plenty of water in the afternoon. What am I missing? Is it my nutrition? Do you have any advice on what I should eat before and after I run? Well, Susan, a couple of things come to mind with this. First of all, I would look at what this person is doing as far as protein. Sometimes because I prioritize protein and say protein, 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 is this person getting enough carbohydrates. I agree with that (laughs) because we just like, you know, think about what we do. We push protein constantly, right? To the, uh, to leaving poor carbs out of the picture sometimes when it's really needed. (laughs) Exactly. So I still want somebody to get a minimum of 60 grams of protein, but they probably are not needing more than say 90 grams of protein. And so if they're getting even more than that, They need to back off on the protein and make sure they get enough carbohydrate foods. We know that carbohydrate foods can really help fuel exercise. So one of the things I would do is increase 
carbohydrate foods like maybe uh, some dairy foods like milk or yogurt or some fruit or vegetables, some starchy vegetables, foods that you may think of as no-nos and incorporate those in comfortable amounts within your regular snacks and, and meals. And that combination of carbohydrate and protein is a great after workout snack. Research suggests that probably eating it within 15, 30 minutes, or at least within the first hour, um, really helps maximize the refueling process. And I think it also helps with the exhaustion factor. Oh, definitely. And and replacing the fluids certainly is important. Uh, she says she does a really good job with fluids, and she probably does. But if you're wearing a smartwatch and you notice that your rest and heart rate tends to be higher than it normally is, that may be a clue that you're more dehydrated. You can also look at how much am I drinking? How much am I having to use the bathroom? And when I go to the bathroom, what color is my urine? It should be light like lemonade not dark like apple juice, which can be a sign of dehydration. Great points. And I love the both other of these. Yes, I, go ahead. Well, sorry. The other thing I would also look at is their training routine. She says she's on week two. Maybe she's still just getting used to the exercise piece. And that's where her tiredness comes in. Because this is a standardized training routine, the couch potato to 5k program that tells you a prescribed amount to increase each week. And if she's staying with that, then maybe she's not overtraining, but that's something to look at as well. One of the clues of overtraining is sleep disturbances and also maybe water retention, which can help mask that weight loss. So those are two things to look for. Excellent. Okay. Question number two, I have a question about portion. I'm four weeks post-surgery and have lost about 14 kilograms or uh, 31 pounds since the surgery, which I'm really happy about. I expected to not be able to eat more than a half a cup. However, I found that if I chew my food well during the minced diet phase, I could easily eat one full cup. Is this normal? This question triggers three responses for me about comfort, about fullness, and about weight loss. Let me talk about the fullness first. You may be able to eat in one cup, but is that what your body is saying? That's a lot more than my patients say that they can eat at that point a month out of surgery. Um, so one of the things I do is have people listen to what their body says and to stop the second that the body says you're full. Normally we eat a few more bites. Hey, is that what I heard? No, that's a fine line between eating enough and eating too much. But sometimes that fullness feels very different after surgery. For instance, it may feel like pressure in your chest or in your diaphragm, not fullness in your belly. So look for that. Uh, sometimes my patients tell me that they get a little hiccup or maybe even a burp, and that's an extra clue that they've had enough to eat. Taking another sip, taking another bite can make you uncomfortable after that meal or snack, but it also can lead to overeating if you're not listening to what your body's saying. 
I, I so agree with that. And relearning cues is critical after surgery and it takes time. And if you didn't follow them before, if you weren't one who paid attention to, hey, I think I'm getting full, I think I've had enough, or I'm gonna try to eat only part of my food and then listen and give my time, you know, myself time to feel full. These are things you have to work on again because it's very easy, surgery or not, to just eat and keep eating if you're not really tuning into what your body's saying. So I love that fact about you saying, really think about the body cues. And after, as adults, um, once we're past toddlerhood, probably, we tend to stop eating when the plate is empty. Um, there are external clues that it's you've had enough to eat. And now we're talking about listening to my body instead. And that's called intuitive eating. And that can help not only with the weight loss right after surgery, but also help with weight maintenance later. You know, it's one of the reasons that I started the partnership that we have now with Live, Lig Live Ligia, which is the portion control uh, uh, serveware, plates and glasses, all of those types of things, because I've just found that many times training the eye to say on a plate, oh, that's what a portion looks like. Oh, that's how much I'm supposed to have. Oh, that's how it is. Really teaches you enough is enough and when that is and we live in this obscene society that just says bring it on <laughs> you know <laughs> you know so i just I, I love that idea of portion control and being aware of that on the other hand susan i also agree that chewing well is really important for comfort and that's because the stomach normally turns and churns to help digest food well, right after surgery, the stomach doesn't have its regular groove. And so I tell my patients what this person says, chew, chew, chew. Love it. Exactly. Okay. Question number three. Mosin wants to know, I also have another question regarding stevia. Have chocolates and ice cream sweetened with stevia or monk fruit? Is stevia low GI and will it cause dumping or should I avoid it altogether? Uh, this is a question I get asked a lot about many substitutes. So I'm, I'm glad Mosin brought this one up. Well, low calorie substitutes, um, sugar sweetener, sugar replacements, including stevia can certainly be fine to use. Um, sometimes you want that sweet taste and this can satisfy it. And then you can move on and not obsess about that sweetness. It, it gives it to you without extra calories without affecting your blood sugar and without triggering dumping syndrome. And that said, I also look at the overall quality of the diet. You've heard of the 80-20 rule. Well, I look at it, at it now more like the 90-10 rule. In other words, nine, nine out of 10 of your foods should be foods that are from the major food groups, that are from, from protein foods, from fruits, vegetables, low-fat dairy from grains, preferably whole grains, ones that are really going to nourish your body and fuel it so that you can squeeze more life out of every single day. I love it. Did you hear what she said? Let's squeeze more life out of every single day. And I think um, any last thoughts you want to leave us with, that's a pretty good one. And that's really the way I look at it is that's why I'm here. I want all of you to live the best lives you can and squeeze you know, every moment out of it. Anything else you want to leave us with today, Isabel? 
Well, one thing is when you have these questions, don't feel shy about reaching out to the registered dietitian nutritionist that you're working with. And I do encourage you to work with some, with somebody, an expert like that, if you don't already have a connection. So if you're moving and you need a new um a new connection, reach out to a local hospital or go find out if your um, former dietitian that you're working with can do something via telehealth. That's so accessible these days. And that's a good point. And I also know you can look at the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics website. It's called eatright.org. On that site up in the, I think it's the right-hand corner, there's a button that says find a dietitian. So if you're in the United States um, and in some of the dietitians who work in other countries, you, you probably can find yourself somebody right there. And remember, we'll do our best every few weeks to answer questions. So if you have one, you can contact me through the website, breakingdownnutrition.com. Or if you receive the weekly newsletter, just hit reply and send it to me that way. Remember, take care of yourself. You're worth it. And Isabel and I will be talking to you again. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.